Welcome to the Deconstructing Data podcast and broadcast. I'm Jesse Lezak, fractional CMO at BDEX, along with BDEX's founder and CEO, David Finkelstein. Good to see you, David. What's new? Uh, good to see you, Jesse, as well. Um, not a lot new. Everything's good this week, but I'm, you know, I'm going to take a, a step back from being the one to respond to that and ask you, what's new with you? Uh, you're the oh. one that always asks me. So, what's new? With you? <laughs> well, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> <laughs> a lot new. Um, you know, just working on reveting and building what we're doing here internally and working with VAs. And that's a new experience with me for the last few weeks. So I appreciate you asking. Um, cool. And I am excited to bring on Latha because we have a really exciting conversation today. Um, and, you know, she has a really remarkable history. And, you know, just talking with her pre-show, we got a lot more insight into her story. So really looking forward to talking with her. And we're really thrilled to welcome on Alatha Sarathi. She's the Chief Research Officer of the ANA, which is the Association of National Advertisers. Let me bring her in. Welcome, Latha. Thank you. Hi, Jesse. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Awesome. Welcome, Latha. We're happy to have you. I'm looking forward to this conversation as well. And in fact, we're going to ask you to kick it off and give our viewers and listeners a little bit of background about who you are and how you became the chief research officer at the ANA. Okay, would love to. So my background is in uh, media and marketing. I've worked for several large media companies like NBC, CBS, Univision for over 20 years. And um, around 2018, I decided to make a change and had moved over to Ipsos, which is a global market research company and worked on a lot of global projects. But also at that time, I was thinking about where do I wanna go next? What's sort of my purpose um, rather than just thinking about the next job? And it was in my mind, you know, those kinds of ways you put things out into the universe. And this time around the universe did answer me I got a call from a, um, a really good friend of mine saying that there was a position at CHER, which is a division of the ANA that focuses on gender equality in media and marketing. And she said they wanted someone to run research and insights. And I felt like this would be a perfect opportunity to marry both my love of data and insights, as well as a purpose, making it actually a force for change. So I started in 2020 during the pandemic and ran uh, her Research for about two years. And then I decided, having been at the ANA and seeing all the great things they can do, I felt like there was an opportunity for research to have even a greater impact. So I spoke to the CEO, Bob Leodis, and said, let's take research to the next level at the ANA. And so I pitched him the position of chief research officer and to his great credit, he said, this is a great idea. Let's do it. I think there's a lot we can do together and started that position in 22. So right now I am living the dream from a research perspective, loving everything I do at CHER and all the opportunities at the ANA. Oh, that's really awesome. Yeah, it's a great story. And and like I mentioned in the green room before before the show, when we were talking, I love the whole idea of having a purpose behind your work 
Um, and, uh, and the fact that you were able to find that is great. Uh, it, it obviously makes uh, the day-to-day -day much easier to know that uh, yeah. your work serves a purpose. And uh, that's awesome. Um, so at this point, I think we should jump right in to our, our initial topic, because I think that uh, getting into the idea of KPIs um, behind, and marketing insights behind gender inclusive is really interesting. I'd love to hear what you're doing uh, uh, in this area. Sure. I think, you know, when you think about KPIs for um, gender inclusion and gender equality, the first thing we think about is what is the role of media and marketing? And we truly believe that they are catalysts for change. We do research on this on a regular basis, as you can imagine, think, you know, looking at consumer perceptions. 90% of consumers feel that media and marketing help to shape gender roles. And this is from a very young age. Um, and the thing is, only 24% of women feel that they are actually accurately represented in media and marketing. So you have this, this gap of the responsibility and power that media and marketing has and how it actually uh, shows up in reality. And the thing is actually not about representation. Women are in 88% of all ads. But the, the real crux of the matter is in over half of them, they're portrayed in stereotypical ways. So we track how women are perceived from um, a, a several different lenses. And we ask both men and women, all adults in a survey we do that we track, uh, do you perceive women being portrayed more as leaders versus caretakers, for example? And caretakers is the majority, and it is actually increased from 21 to 23. We say we saw the same thing for um, women in supporting roles, and actually women as strong decreased. So it's not that women are not there; they're there, and representation from a gender, um, a race, and ethnicity perspective has also increased. It's how they are showing up that is really the, um, the problem we're still facing right now. So when we think about KPIs, those are the things we want to understand. Where are we? Where do we need to go? And how do we get there? That's really interesting. So what? So you're saying that the, the trends of actually going sort of in the opposite direction in, in, than what you were looking for, especially in the last few years, Yes. Um, do you do you have a feel for why that is? I mean, is it is it intentional with respect to how advertisers are you know trying to market products, um, or or is this a re reflection of something else? I think there's a lot of different things going on, as you may know from um, 2020 when the pandemic we had all the social unrest. There was a huge focus on DEIB in general. And there was a lot of intentional work that was being done to better represent um, all humans from a racial ethnicity perspective, from a gender perspective. And um, unfortunately, what we have seen is after that very intentional work, things have started to level off, particularly in the US. We have seen that actually a lot, what we have termed um, fatigue has happened around DEI efforts, 
with um, you know within media companies within brands because they have found not that they have found but they feel that there are other areas that need to that need focus and actually it comes back to KPIs. This is a hard thing to measure on a short-term basis. This kind of work, you really have to stay with it. So I think that's a lot of what has happened. We definitely see changes uh, politically, socially in the U.S. So it's a constant battle. And that's one of the, um, the reasons that see her positioned itself. So, you know, so uh, purposefully in the center of media and marketing, because media and marketing is one of the most critical ways that we change societal mind- mindsets and how people can see other examples, see themselves or see um, something that they can aspire to. So there's been a lot of shift and it goes up and down, but uh, I think that we are on the right track of focusing on um, changing perceptions and portrayals because we have seen that that actually makes a difference in terms of business growth. Well, I'm glad to hear that you found something that actually makes a difference um, because these are alarming stats. And I'll, you know, I do, I've seen some of these stats too, where it is sort of alarming, you know, with the pandemic, women having to leave their jobs more likely to stay with kids and caretake, as you said. I mean, I've seen those realities and felt those pressures myself, even at times. Mm-hmm. Um, So let's get into the next topic of, you know, what can we do integrating data for inclusive advertising? Can you tell us about this? Sure. You know, one of the ways that um, CHER had decided to approach this whole area was a very data-driven method. And I was so pleased to see that when I started, because this is a big mission to, um, you know, to drive accurate portrayal of women and girls in the whole global media and marketing ecosystem. So they spearheaded a measure called GEM, Gender Equality Measure, which measures consumers' perceptions of how women and men are depicted in advertising and programming. It consists of four questions, and um, we benchmark these, the responses to the questions for every ad we test. And we've tested over 300,000 to date. We're in 14 different global markets. And um, it tells us when we te- when we look at the benchmarks by the media platform, by the category, we can see how consumers are responding. And now that we have trended data, we can see why they are responding that way. So in addition to what we call the GEM score, we have um, done a lot of analysis on uh, the drivers of the score. So that's really the heart of it, like I said about the stereotypes, we know, for example, that women, when they're shown in counter stereotypical roles, doctor, an astronaut, you know, uh, something that is a little bit out of the ordinary, that drives a high gem score. And this is critical when they're shown having agency over their lives. Now, that's a very broad statement, but Necessarily so, because having agency over your life doesn't mean that you have to be a CEO of a company. It could mean that you are just deciding to do something for yourself, take a vacation on your own, buy something for yourself, take time out of your day um, for self-care. Those kinds of things are really important 
in how you portray women and they drive high gem scores. And of course, the equity, meaning what's the screen time of women? What is the speaking time? How do the men and women um, interact? This is critical. And, and a lot of this is very nuanced. We have found that um, when a man is in an ad, even if he doesn't speak too much or speaks less than the woman, uh, his gem score can be just as high as hers, even if she's doing more of the speaking and driving um, the narrative. So all of these things play a big role. So um, we have to constantly think about these nuances. And that's what we really talk about with our marketers when we explain their gem you know, results, all the drivers, we, we ask them, what was your intention? And we know that there are so many KPIs. This 30-second ad has a lot of work to do. Brand building, you know, awareness, uh, purchase intent. There's so many things that they're trying to accomplish. And we realize that. We're like, this is just another layer, another lens with which you can look at the creative you're developing. And know that consumers are seeing this they are reacting to these things even if we even if we hadn't thought about that and it makes a difference it makes a difference to them because we actually have seen that when they do get it right it absolutely drives brand uh brand reputation in intent to purchase and um the positive love to the brand it sounds like a lot of data to uh, to go through, right? I mean, you said three hundred thousand ads, and yeah, yeah. and and so um, and then uh, you know, and then scoring all of this. Uh, I'm interested also when you look at the scores and you're looking at a gem score for a man or a gem score for a woman. How does that trend differently depending on who the the mm-hmm. surveyor is, the, mm-hmm. the gender side of the surveyor? Yeah. Right? We definitely see differences by the respondent groups. So we look for every gem, um, for every ad we test, we look at the respondents broken out by gender, by age, by race, ethnicity. And we often see that there are similarities in how the younger group, uh, like 18 to 34, will score an ad. Um, We certainly see that when there is a person of color in an ad, uh, the the responses of you know black respondents, Asian, Hispanic tend to increase, but white respondents can increase as well. But it definitely is a higher lift. So there's definitely differences from that perspective. There are also certainly differences from the male and female perspective. When we see a woman as a counter stereotype, for example, as I said, both both men and women will react with a high score. But the male, uh, the female score, the female respondents can be higher. Um, so there's nuances there. And the interesting thing when I was talking about the men and the women, it was actually, and in this, I'll give you a particular example. There was an ad where um, the woman was portrayed as working from home uh, in a meeting on a Zoom call or whatever. And there was a small child, about a five-year-old. And the, the, the husband, the man, was the one taking care of the child, uh, making him lunch, putting him to bed. And um, that male score was off the charts. And the female score was good, but it was his score that was really high, both men and women. 
because this is something that is still perceived as very different out of the norm for a man to do. So even though the woman is a professional handling a meeting, doing the things that we feel are counter stereotypical, the man came in maybe doing a little bit less, but getting the higher score. So there are these differences and they, uh, we have found over time, they totally reflect societal um, perceptions. That's so interesting. Yeah, and it sounds like you're describing my husband in many ways. I mean, he helps me a lot. He makes the kids lunch and he's out there with them now. So um, yeah, no, I can totally relate to these statistics. And um, so strategizing inclusivity with all of this. So brands and data, um, you know, how do we how do we do that? So we take a very hands-on approach at See Her. We, um, you know, we offer all of our members have the ability to test ads as part of their membership. So they do that regularly. And um, with each ad they test, we walk them through the results. So we sit down with them, we explain it, we talk about the drivers, because what we're trying to do is have them embed this as part of their standard testing. And that's why the module itself is only four questions, easy to Im uh, implement. And it's actually also open source. So if they didn't want to work with Seahurst, you know, particularly, they can work with another vendor or another organization to embed it. Our goal is to change the industry. Um, but the other way we approach this is through a lot of workshops, a lot, you said 300,000 ads, that's a lot. But we've created what we call GEM Creative Best Practices. And it's a framework, it's a rubric that they can take and use in-house. So there are three pillars. First is representation. They got to show up, they got to be there. And um, that is across all intersections, whether it's um, gender or body type or age, sexual orientation, you have to represent that first. The second piece we talk about a lot is exactly what we've been discussing, equity. We still have to move the needle there. Um, so we constantly talk about how intentional are you when there is more than one gender in the ad. And then the third piece where we spend a lot of time is the portrayal. How, uh, how is the woman showing up? So all of these things we work through in detail with um, our members so that they can take it back in house. And we encourage them whenever we do these walkthroughs to have all teams there, not just the creative team, but the strategy team and the insights team and the brand team, everybody, let's all hear it. Let's all you know have the, a common language, which is so important in this area. And then we look to actually build these principles into the media and marketing ecosystem. How are they buying media? How are they evaluating programming? How are they looking at ad effectiveness, digital platforms, et cetera? So we are really trying to create what we would call a spider web of where GEM can go or GEM-like principles so that it is just something you just can't pull out. You know, it's just baked in. Mm. I like that. Yeah, it's really interesting. So the so the advertisers basically have the ability to to really to to you know take full advantage of your research 
in order to, you know, improve their representation is what you're saying. Yes, exactly, exactly. And we do a lot of work also um, to show them that this is certainly a force for good, but also a force for growth. We know that, for example, when consumers see ads, as we call them, high scoring gem ads, meaning above the average versus those that are below the average, um, there is actually a lift in brand sales, so actual sales of a product. We've That's seen in nice. aggregate, yeah, there's a 5x increase in sales when they see the high gem scoring ad. This is across a variety of brands. And when they're in high scoring programming, gems, you know, high gem scoring programming, there's a 2x increase. And then we did this, uh, we broke it out looking at, you know, men and women, uh, then by race and ethnicity, by language, Spanish and English, all of them increase. Every single one of those cohorts saw increases because, you know, fundamentally, here's what we're talking about. We all want to see ourselves. We want to see the people we know and that we love depicted. And that is so powerful. It's it's more powerful than we think um, when a young girl can see, you know, a woman doing something that she may aspire to, but didn't believe that she could or the same thing for a young a young boy. These perceptions of gender roles start at about six or seven years old. So um, it's really important how we portray. And, you know, again and again, we make this point that this is really to drive your business. Um, one of the key things in looking at consumer spending, uh, I should say this, uh, women actually drive economies. <laughs> they are, they, they Influence 87% of all cons consumer spending. In the US, it's $10 trillion. So we make these points, which may be out there in the ecosystem, but we bring it home to say, you know, yes, I'm sure you're targeting women, but are you portraying them the way they want to be seen? Because that is where you're going to get the bang for your buck. That is where the sales are going to really increase. Wow. There's that's a lot to consider there. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. And, and having some clients in the automotive uh, industry, you know, we've we've talked to, you know, I've learned a lot. You know, I knew very little about that industry having initially entered it. I learned a lot about how um, the it's how often it is the woman in the household is the decision maker of what kind of car they're going to get, you know, aside from, you know, someone buying a, a truck for utility purposes but but most car decisions actually are, are actually coming from the woman who's who's uh, the woman of the household so um what you're saying definitely you know rings true to, to yeah. some of the experience i've seen as well you know let me talk about uh, a recent example super bowl we've heard tons and tons of um analysis on the super bowl i'm going to give you a couple of points from the see her perspective so um, this was the highest, there, there was more women watching the Super Bowl than any other year before. <laughs> 2.8 million women watched the Super Bowl. 9% increase from uh, last year. And um, we, we, we test all of the ads in the Super Bowl and 91% of them did have a woman in the ad, if there was a human. There was a you know a woman there, which is great. That was also an increase. 
And uh, when you break it down by CHER members versus non-members, 88% of non-members had a woman. So there were some ads that were only uh, men, but 100% of CHER ads, uh, CHER member ads had a woman in them. And all of them, the CHER members saw significant increases in key brand KPIs. Branding went up 5%, reputation went up 16%, uh, purchase in intent went up 46%, and likability went up 11%. So, you know, here is, a, here is a, a huge advertising event and such a great way for you to connect with, um, with consumers. And I want to point out the top three ads uh, from a gem perspective in the Super Bowl. The first was Google, the Google Pixel, which was a beautiful ad and one of the uh, best practices that we saw, authentic, real-life portrayal, something people can really relate to. Um, and that's so important. That, that, that feeling of the human truth is so important, that emotional response. Um, and then actually, the second one was, um, uh, sorry, I want to get their name right. It was the ad for women who were in menopause, Vioza, I think it is. Um, and that ad wasn't really talked about much in, in all of the trades and stuff like that. But it had one of the highest gem scores because this was talking about something that women experience. And it's it's a part of life. And they, they portrayed the women in a very um, empowered way. And even though it was a it was an ad for prescription, you know, medication, and you had all of the um, disclaimers, it still did really well because the women could see themselves. So that was really interesting. And then the third was Duncan, and Duncan did such a great job in so many different ways. But think about it: how many women were in that Duncan ad? J Lo just ran the ad. She after <laughs> stereotype. She's a powerful woman. And there were so many powerful, well-known men in that ad, but she definitely drove the female portrayal. And um, it was another high scoring ad. So I just thought it was so interesting how it broke out uh, in terms of the scores and what really kind of popped, uh, popped to the surface. Wow. That is so exciting. Like I could like ask you so many questions about all of that. Um, but still, I think my favorite part about it is that those that have the high gem score also, you know, have higher sales and even intent, you said, for mm -hmm. the, you saw that in the stats with the Super Bowl ads. Um, but earlier when you were talking, it sounded like people who were implementing these things were seeing in, you know, seeing it in the numbers in terms of sales. So I think that is one thing that, of course, every business is interested. So like, you know, everyone should be concerned about the gem score. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. It reinforces the work that you're doing for sure. That's awesome. Yes, yes. Absolutely. absolutely. Wow. So, man, if with all of that, you know, like, I maybe wonder, if we if we stay for another hour or two, we can we can, we can have you break down all of the Super Bowl ads for us. <laughs> <laughs> so timely. Second podcast. That's the next one. <laughs> Or no, that was really great. Valentine's yeah. Day ads. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great that's a great idea. That is a really great idea. We should do that. Yeah, that'd be an interesting <laughs> one for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
Yes. I saw a lot of women targeted. Maybe it was just me because I am a woman and people were targeting me deterministically. Um, but mm-hmm. like, yes, I saw a lot of Valentine's Day ads this year. So I thought that was interesting. But um, yeah. So if if businesses you know, wanted to take the step forward and start to you know, introduce the gem score with their business? Like what is the process for them to do that? Whether they're able to, you know, work with you and the great people of the ANA and see her, or even if it's a small business and, you know, they're only making social media posts at this point, what can people do to help change this stereotype? Mm. I think the first thing is that um, they can certainly become members of See Her. There's a lot of different ways you can become a member, a lot of tiers. So with that, you get the full um, spectrum of our support, our tools, our research, et cetera, and the backing of the ANA, which has a huge platform for marketers. And it also has a huge um variety of marketers, both from small to very large, you know, Fortune 500 marketers. So there's definitely that opportunity and would be the first place I would start because there's so many options. Secondarily, if that, you know, doesn't work out for the moment, I would definitely take the GEM score and implement it into your own testing. Because like I said, it is open source. It's a very easy module to use. And if they wanted to reach out to see her, They could do that and we could walk them through the process, help them with um, working with their testing partner to implement this. But I think our goal is really how can we raise awareness and um, constantly like that, you know, that wave moving forward, keep on moving forward to embed these tools. And at CEHO, we're doing it proactively to push it out. And um, we work with Nielsen, we work with Comscore, we work with Double Verify to to put the tools in the arms, in the hands of the media and marketers. But at the same time, uh, we want to make sure that all marketers know, agencies, media companies, that we are here to support you. And you can, you know, you can engage with us at whatever level you are able to, because it's 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 a journey. Everybody's not at the same point in that journey, but wherever you are, we can support you and um, would love for you to help us in making this mission a reality. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great for anyone listening then. So, you know, it sounds like you can support them wherever they are in their journey. I think that's really great. And speaking of journey, many people are looking at tech stacks and what tools can they use? So this is a question, Latha, we ask all the guests on deconstructing data are what are some of your favorite tools in your tech stack? So I guess I'll, I'll leave you with that. What would you share? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, I never think about it as a tech stack, but um, one of the tools I use all the time is OneNote in, in Microsoft. Um, and it's just a way for me to organize what I need to do. So you can have multiple tabs. You can, it's, it's basically just an open space where you can, you know, write out anything you want. Um, I use it to keep my to-do list. I also use it to take notes while I'm on meetings, which is super helpful. And um, I can I can separate different areas that I'm working on. 
so that at any point in time, I can go to one area and say, okay, what was the last thing I needed to do here? Like my notes are there as well as my to-do list. So I can cross-reference that. So kind of very, you know, low techie tech stack, but it is definitely helped me uh, keep organized. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if we've heard one note. We hear Microsoft and Outlook, but <laughs> so thanks for mentioning that. And so I guess now we'll transition into our post topic questions. This is another one that we ask all of our guests. So Latha, if you could go back to when you first came into the advertising industry, what is the number one piece of advice you would give yourself? That is really interesting. Um, I am going to say that it was actually a piece of advice one of my managers gave me. And when I started, as, as many young people start, and you know, as um, an Asian Indian, you are kind of brought up to do what you have to do, keep your head down, work hard, and don't make a fuss. So that's kind of how I approached work for several years. And then at one point, uh, one of my managers said to me, you know, you do your work is fine. Your work is very good, but I really don't know what you think. Like, what, where is, what do you want to change? You know, how proactive can you be? And um, this was a man and he did say it in a way that was a little bit what I felt um, a criticism. But, you know, and I, I didn't I didn't take it well at the time, but I started to think about it and I realized that that's actually true. I have ideas. I have um, things that I would, you know, consider could be changed. So my next position, I made a point of um, speaking my mind more, asking more questions. So I would tell myself or any young person starting um, think about that. You certainly want to do the job that you need to do. You want to make sure you are performing uh, and providing the work that your employer is asking you to do. But don't forget that you are also a person and you also have ideas and you also have your own experience. Um, don't let that go because that is why you're unique. So I wish I had, I wish I had known that earlier. I didn't have somebody to tell me this, but it was actually very good advice. Yeah, that's, I love that. That's really great advice to give to yourself. <laughs> um, but from the perspective of an employer, I can tell you, um, that's exactly what we want, right? You know, we want, we want to, uh, hear new ideas, you know, and, and I think the best, um, the best, best leaders, and um, I am not making this up. This is this is actually from the book Good to Great. Um, best leaders are humble leaders, and they need to be willing to um, to hear and listen to the people around them. And and that's exactly how you know, the business grows mm -hmm. it's from the ideas of people that are working on the different projects throughout, you know, in different areas of the business. Because that leader, to so to say, so to speak doesn't necessarily know yeah. everything that's going on, right? They're not in the day to day of every single task that's going on. And so, you know, when someone within the business has an idea of how to improve something or an idea how to help their clients better or whatever it is, like, you know, as a leader, we want to hear that for sure, 100%. And that's how a business grows uh, is by having people within the business that are willing to speak up and share their ideas. So yeah. that's, that's, that's great, great advice. Love yeah. it. 
Awesome. Well, I'm really glad that you had that boss who <laughs> would have triggered you to, you know, really open up your eyes um, and help you move forward because you're doing a lot of really great work, Latha, um, that, you know, will have a lasting impact, no doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in closing, Latha, would you like to tell listeners how they can find you? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn um, and you can find me on um, Instagram um, and uh, see her is, is also on social, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. And you can also find me through the ANA. Um, so if you go to any of those platforms, uh, just search and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, you heard it, everyone. You can definitely just reach out to her then. But um, thank you so much for joining us, Latha. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, it's been great having you on the show. We really appreciate you joining us and and certainly appreciate the, the great work that you're doing as well. Thank you. Absolutely. And before we go, audience members, you can learn more about our Powered by BDEX capabilities simply by visiting our website. So Powered by BDEX, it's going to enable you to leverage the BDEX identity graph, all the features of our OmniIQ product, and even our AI-powered audience creation capabilities. So I'll put up a QR code on the screen for anyone watching on video. But if you're on podcast, you just simply go to bdex.com Click on the talk to an expert button to learn how to improve your data strategy. And also, if you're listening and you're interested, Deconstructing Data is now open to sponsorship opportunities. And you can please reach out to us to learn more about it. We would love to hear from you. And, you know, also we'd love to hear from you if there's anyone you would like to see on the show. So please reach out to us at info at bdex.com and share your qualitative data with us so we can make this better for you. But thank you all for being here. All right, I'll go ahead and close this out. Bye, thank you, Latha. Thank you.